Thanks for listening to the Culture Proof Podcast. We are so excited to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by our premier sponsor, DJU Press yes. Homeschool. We yes. are excited to announce awesome. this. Listen, when we made the decision to homeschool, the first and foremost reason was that we wanted to see Christ formed in our children. Amen. And we didn't want to compete with the culture to do that. And yeah. as we started, we kind of went along looking for that curriculum that would meet our family's needs and also be responsive to the call that the Lord has on our family. And BJU Press Homeschool is that curriculum. So we're really excited not only to use the materials, but to bring them to you as our premier sponsor. Yeah. If you are looking for a curriculum that is going to undergird all of your sound biblical teaching in your family and also enable your kids to excel academically, then check out our friends at BJUPressHomeschool.com. Mm. That's BJUPressHomeschool.com. One of the things I love about our homeschooling curriculum is that we have the option of a combination of homeschool online and parent-led education. It's a game so changer. This is totally a game changer. <laughs> our kids have been enjoying it. They are loving having that homeschool hub where they get updated grades in real time. Now it's mm -hmm. creating a little bit of a competition happening among <laughs> them in real time, but all of this is very good for their development. Right. We are really excited about our partnership with BJU Press Homeschool, and we want you to check them out by going to bjupresshomeschool.com. That's bjupresshomeschool.com. All right. Well, the great, let's yes. get into content for today. So I read, I read the story about a pastor and mayor out of Alabama that um, apparently was um, exposed through an online um, news site mm -hmm. in Alabama, a conservative news site, as yeah. I understand, that he was living sort of a double life, um, dressing up in women's clothing and even adopting an online pseudonym. And apparently, he said his wife was the only one who was aware of what he was doing. This is the Christian Post article that really grabbed my attention. And I thought, wow, like what is going yeah, on yeah. Um, in the church? I mean, that's that's where we focus a lot of our attention when we talk about what's going on in the body of Christ. And just reading this article, I thought, you know, more so than this mayor, former mayor, um, late mayor, I guess is what you would say, mm. being a conservative. I think a lot of people would go for that. You know, yeah. that's sort of like, that's the thing that most people would be moved to protect. Mm. Um, for me, I care about the name of Christ. Yeah. I care about, you know, what we as profession, professing Christians say yeah. about who Jesus is. And so let me just read a little bit of the story and then we'll get into talking about it. I, I do have some thoughts of what I think ultimately the implications of not only the story, but the follow-up of the story, what those implications will be. Mm. And so I definitely want to talk about that as well. Um, here's the article. This is a Christian Post article. Mayor of Smith Station, Alabama, F.L. Bubba Copeland, who also serves as pastor of First Baptist Church of Phoenix City, um, told his congregation, this was last week on Wednesday, that he was the target of an internet attack after a local conservative publication reported that he'd been living a secret life as a um, quote, transgender curvy girl. Mm -hmm. um, this is what he said in that address on Wednesday night last week, quote, congregation, church, 
Facebook. I have been an object of an internet attack, an article that was written about my capacity as a mayor, capacity as a pastor. The article is not who I am or what I am. Yes, I have taken pictures with my wife in the privacy of our home uh, in an attempt to of humor because I know I'm not a handsome man nor a beautiful woman either. And then he goes on, I apologize for any embarrassment caused by my private personal life that has gone publicly. Mm. Um, this will not cause my life to change. This will not waver my devotion to my family, to serving my city, to serving my church. I'm thankful for the grace of God's willingness to forgive. I have nothing to be ashamed of, um, he insisted. Um, and then finally, a lot of things that were said were taken out of context. Now, when I first read that article um, earlier in the weekend, I want to say it was a Friday evening that I read the article, yeah. I thought, wow, like what's, you know, what's going on? And then when you start kind of looking at some other pieces that were written on it, you learn that it's actually not as he presented to his congregation. It wasn't just some pictures that were hacked and then released. And, you know, I'm not excusing that if it were to be the case anyway, but I, I think when you see his um, his Instagram and Reddit images, you can see that there was truly a man who had some deeply trub- troubling issues. Yeah, it was definitely a sad situation, and it's the it's the powerful grip of sin, mm. you know, secret sin, and sin grows in darkness. I always say say that it, it grows in darkness if it when you shine light on especially certain sins like sexual sexual sins, you know, uh, they're exposed and you can get help. And the thing is that there are things that happen with exposure. One Mm -hmm. thing you may repent, hopefully you repent and you're like, man, this is what I've done. I'm guilty. Lord, forgive me. Church family, forgive me, Mm -hmm. you know, or you kind of dig in and say, oh, no, this is not, you know, what it really is. You know, it's something different. And that's the route I feel like he chose. Man, it's a hard thing, the grip of sin. And so... What we have here is uh, the outflow of a secret life, and man, we've known you know many uh, religious figures that <laughs> that have had secret lives, mm-hmm. and it's been a a, a a bad thing, you know, for the church. Like when it's like, man, it's a it's a black eye, it's a it's a a point of grieving, you know, and it's, so it's, this is a sad situation. I grieve for uh, his family, but the church as well, yeah. you know, they have have to uh, live through this. But man, it's it's sad all around and that he took his own life is is like man it, that's what the enemy wants he yeah. comes to kill steal and destroy yeah and that's exactly what happened in this situation right here yeah it really is very very sad and again when you look at the progression of it mm. you've got the articles that come out that pick up on the story and the story just kind of grows legs yeah. as things do and begins to spread and and then you ask the question like why is this something that grabs people's attention? Like, why is it something that would be a headline? Because, well, a pastor dressing up as a woman is something that is attention grabbing. Oh, yeah. Like that is that is something that <laughs> isn't compatible with biblical right. Christianity. Right. And so it would be the right object of people's attention because they're like, whoa, hold on a second. Like what is going on? Right. And so you have this now late pastor yeah. at the time addressing it. And, and this is what he said in response to this, um, 
you know, being exposed in this way. He said, quote, it's a hobby I do Mm. to relieve stress. I have a lot of stress and I'm not medically transitioning. It's just a bit of character that I'm playing. I don't go out and seek or solicitate or I'm sorry, or solicit Mm -hmm. or anything like that. He actually says, or solicitations. And I'm trying to edit um, some of his commentary on the fly here, but he says, or solicitation or anything like that. It's something that I don't intermingle with the other. He said, Hmm. it's private. I don't do it in public or anything like that. It's just a fictional character I made up to relieve stress. And so um, based on the articles that I've got here in front of me, Mm -hmm. um, he had an online persona of a woman. And if you look at some of the pictures, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's really disturbing. Um, I think there are a lot of people who, again, would look at it as, oh my goodness, he was a conservative. And like, you know, they're always trying to get us. Um, But I think there's actually something bigger and more eternal to focus on that he was a professing member of the Lord's bride. Yeah. Yeah. And not only not only a member of the Lord's bride, but he was also overseeing um, a congregation. I, I think that is something that is incredibly concerning. And, and the thing is, you can hear it in that statement. You know, he says a hobby to relieve stress. Mm. Once again, it's not a point of repentance. It's not. You know, it's like still trying to make an excuse of what was being done. Mm-hmm. And again, that's the effects of sin. You know, if there's not repentance that takes place, there's a digging digging in. You know, of, and trying to really hide behind, you know, what happened and try to make it seem like it's something different, and which which is very, very sad because we know that there's a standard. That's why we have the straight edge of Scripture. Amen. And so if we need hobbies, it's not going to be sinful hobbies. Right. There's not going to be things that, you know, we're going to do that will... Uh, uh, you know, blaspheme the name of, of, of our Lord, you know, cause our, the Lord's name to be blasphemed. You know, right. as people look at this, they're looking at this and like, oh, man, see, they're repressed. See, he's doing yeah. this. They yeah. always speak out against this. Oh, I saw his picture with President Trump. See, there they go. Mm-hmm. And all that stuff, you know, and I, and I, and I really feel like, man, you know, when... when when that, a time of exposure comes, man, Lord, help us to repent. Yeah. You know, if there's something in our lives that, you know, is, is, is light is, is shown on it, man, that, that we would repent and, and, and be humble before the Lord because the enemy seeks our destruction. Well, let me ask you this question, though, because I'm just thinking out loud about this. Like, I've, I've heard you talk about um, battles and struggles with uh, sexual sin and even how we see that in the body of Christ and even among men who are professing godliness, that there is a lot of shame associated with that, that there's a, there's a, there's an embarrassment associated with that. I'm wondering if you think of like, this is not um, a revelation of pornography addiction, though I think there would still be shame and a move to try to cover that, that would be associated with that. But this is quite different. This is a man who is in a kind of position that he's in that is dressing up as a woman. Yeah. Not only is there an embarrassment, but what you see as you read the articles is that there was an attempt to try to find a way to to cover it, like to say yeah. that it's not what you think it is. And then almost seems like when that didn't work, it was it's not as bad as you think it is. So mm-hmm. it's, at first it's like, no, because um, I read one article that said he denied that what the information that was being revealed right. that it was actually his. And then once he learned that there was evidence that he could not get out of, mm-hmm. it was okay. Um, I'm 
only doing this because of this reason. Yeah. And then ultimately it's like, okay, it's not, it's not anything serious. I'm not doing, it's not bad. You mm-hmm, know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so you almost see like this sort of progression when sin is exposed that you don't want to have that contrition. Yeah. Um, and, and I think because again, there is the embarrassment. Yeah, and that's two, like you said, it's two different type types of things, but it's the same. It's because it's sin. And with with all sin, I think there's the um temptation to first try to say, Oh, it's not as bad as it it seems. They're making it out to be something that it's not. And then there's a, a, a you know, hiding behind it, trying to say, Well, you know, this is just a hobby. This is something that I do to relieve stress. Like Yes, he was dressing up as a woman, but it's th- the same things apply even with porn addiction and, mm. and things like that. Because you try to say, "Oh, it's not as bad as you know people try to make it out to be." I'm not hurting anyone else, mm-hmm. but then you try to say, "Well, this is just something I do." I'm not, you know. So it's the same thing because it's sin, yeah. and it's the it's the uh, regression of sin. It leads to death, you know. And and ultimately, that's what the enemy wants. He yeah. wants uh, there to be a black eye for the body of Christ because you have somebody who's a leader. You know, he's a pastor. Yeah. You know, he have people that he uh that, that that's under him that he's pastoring, but at the same time, so he so he has influence somewhere. He's a mayor. Well, he was a mayor. He did. He, yeah, he was a and, mayor. And was a pastor. And, right. And was a pastor and walked I read uh, the article said he walked that community community through like a, a tornado mm-hmm. hit there and stuff like that. So he was well known and things like that. The enemy loves maximum impact maximum yeah. impact where he can you know really uh besmirch the, the name of the lord jesus yeah. christ yeah. and so it's the same thing the same principles apply because it's sin now let me ask you a question here because in the wake of this and and knowing that this pastor ultimately took his life that he committed suicide mm. um and it's very sad like it's mm-hmm. it's so difficult to talk about it because you think of like in the body of christ you know we know that people are sinful and that they're prone to sin. And I think what the world wants us to think is that we are not forgiving as Christ is forgiven. Like Christ is forgiving, but mm. you know, those who follow him are not like they right. never, and that just isn't true. And and I think in some ways, when you read these articles, you almost get the picture that maybe this late pastor didn't think that that he could be forgiven or restored. Talk yeah. about that. Yeah, I think that's sad. I, and I think there are instances where you will come across Christians who are unforgiving. That's mm-hmm. wrong. And I and I, I would think that he may have had those type of uh, thoughts in his head because for him to do what he did, he had to feel like there was no coming back, <clears throat> that there were going to be people or you know, something was going to happen to where he wasn't going to be forgiven. But that's not true. I mean, there's been... People throughout history have done crazy, bad mm-hmm, things that mm-hmm. God has forgiven and turned their lives around, like the Apostle Paul. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so there's no one that's beyond that. But I think that, you know, the enemy has a field day <laughs> when these type things happen. So I, you can imagine the thoughts that he was having, oh my the goodness. conversations in his mind, you know, oh, yeah, just, just, just be away with it, man. Just, yeah. just go ahead and do it because, yeah. you know, they're never going to love you again. They're not going to, they're not going to forgive you, man. You know, you then stood up on, on these principles. I'm sure he was like staunch about, you know, conservative yeah. things and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And so all that, all those thoughts that the enemy would try to bring back to say, you are beyond being forgiven. Yeah. 
And I, I think that mm. was at play probably in his mind. You know, I think it's so sad because I think that's where the body of Christ is vital. And that's where yes. we really come in when yes. the enemy wants to get us off to ourselves. And he wants to tell us it's worse than we think it is. And he wants to tell us that it's irreparable or that the situation that we're in, that it can't be redeemed, you know, mm -hmm. that we're finished. That's it. I think that's where members of the body of Christ, when we are serving each other well, we come alongside one another and we say, listen, you must repent. You must confess. You must agree with God yeah. that your sin is sin, right? You must say the same thing that God says about it and walk through the steps of restoration, walk yeah. through the steps of repentance. Now, that's not a guarantee that on the other side of that, you get to be back in the place where you started. This right. is why we need to avoid sin, right? Like, this is why we need to not give the enemy an opportunity. There are consequences, right. right? And so I think having somebody in the body of Christ who is able to say that to us, that, look, you have to confess. You you want the Lord to forgive the guilt of your sin. Like, there's yeah. shame attached to us having these um, secret lives. And I look, this is um, this is large scale, and this is very public, and it's one of those things that, because of the tragic ending of it, it's one of those things that grabs all of our attention. But there are so many, many more Christians who have a secret life, who yeah. are who are living a life that they think nobody ever has to know about, but the Lord knows. Yeah. The Lord knows, and and I would say that when we understand the mercy of God, even in being exposed, which it doesn't have to get that get to that point because right. the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin. Yes, like he, he, he convicts us of sin. He leads us to truth and righteousness. Like, and he even brings us into fellowship with one another where we're able to confess our sins one to yeah. another um, and know and be reminded of the Lord's forgiveness and yeah. his mercy, you yeah. know? And it's, it's very sad to me that um, even after this pastor uh, took his life, you have people coming out and um, publicly saying how much he meant to his community and how much he meant to the body of Christ. And I just, you know, I kind of go, man, okay, that's great. Yeah. But like, he really needed people to be there with him. Like, yeah. and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that they weren't. I'm right. just saying, right. you know. And, I, and again, I, I echo what you're saying. Uh, I, don't, I don't know his personal situation with his friends and, and, and accountability, but sometimes and a lot of times in these in these um, situations, you know, as a pastor and leader, you know, it's hard to find accountability. Mm -hmm. You know, or mm. you or you put yourself in a place where you can't be accountable. Like, think about it: a former mayor and, and pastor, like he had positions of leadership. Uh, a lot of times, it's hard to find someone to confide in, mm -hmm. especially things like this. Yeah. So if you have another pastor, you know, finding someone who's like not going to be like, you know. Not willing to pray with you and 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 call you to the carpet and say, "Hey, you got to step down, man." Like this is, you know, sometimes you can't find that. And I'm not making an excuse for what happened, but a lot of times when you get in certain positions, you know, it's like, who can I talk to? I can't mm. talk to the people that I'm serving as far as I'm as a pastor. You know, the members. You know, sometimes the pastors don't have that relationship. Uh, with each other, so then you're kind of stuck. And so the thing was, mm. it seems like from what we've read, his wife knew about this. That's what he said, you know. It, it, so the thing, I don't is, know. I, yeah, I don't know. If that's what he, he said. If that's the case, it's like, well, who is able to really hold 
am accountable. Yeah. You know, it should be another pastor. Mm-hmm. It should be a network of pastors, or just a one other pastor that he's able to say, man, this is a struggle for me. You know, I'm not going to make any excuses. This is what I've been doing, mm-hmm. you know, and that's able to say, man, okay, that's sin. We need to pray, man. We need to deal with this. And if you may need there, to take some time off. Like, yes. you, like n- not only from the yes. pastorate that you would step down to to be restored, to work right. toward restoration, um, but maybe from your position as mayor, maybe yeah. being a public servant. Maybe it's just too much. Maybe all it's around, too much. And you know? and if there is some Stress, if there's some said. truth to that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, then maybe we need to start removing some of those stressors. Like maybe mm-hmm. we need to get you to a place where there's wholeness and, and where there's health um, in the Lord, you know, that yeah. you could walk in holiness. I mean, that's, to me, that's the biggest story here. It's not that he was a conservative mayor who once right. shook hands with Donald Trump. This <laughs> right. has nothing to do with his politics. This has right. everything to do with the condition of his soul. Amen. This has everything to do with him serving the Lord's bride and the qualifications of an elder. And Amen. and I think if we as Christians bypass that and care more about it being a black eye to conservatism, mm. then we don't understand the Lord. Yeah. Like we don't understand eternity. We don't mm. understand the holiness of God and his people. And I think that's tragic. I do want to make a shift here though, yeah. because you know, we we know that living in this world, our culture puts a price tag on admission into it. Like if you if you want to be in the culture, there's a price you pay, right? Mm. And the price of admission is that you have to agree, you have to celebrate. In some cases, you have to replicate. Like you have to do the things to show that you are fully invested in the culture. And the merchants of the tickets, like for entry, right, are the ones who are indoctrinating. They're telling you that you must use preferred pronouns. They're telling you that your kids must learn certain things by certain ages, and then they must adopt those things, right? So those become the merchants. But ultimately, um, the price for admission in the culture mm-hmm. is that we we say yes. Yeah. We say yes and mm-hmm. amen to all that the culture has right. to, to offer. It's interesting to me, though, that <clears throat> in many instances, when we find people saying, okay, I'm willing to pay, they don't ultimately understand exactly what they've agreed to pay, Mm. right? Um, Because what we often see is that the culture has invited us to celebrate sin, to Mm -hmm. agree with it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Romans 1, even agreement with sin is sin. Mm -hmm. And so then ultimately what we've been invited to pay is death. The, the wages of sin is, is death, death right? right? But the That's free right. gift of God is eternal life. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about that and I, I see in, in real time, not only we speak of eternity, the wages of sin is death. Mm-hmm. I see in real time the enemy um, kind of demanding a fee for cultural engagement. Like you've got to do these things and celebrate these things. And, you know, this is the answer to maybe your secret desires. But then in real time coming to collect that the wages of this sin mm. is death. And this is a um, a real-time, tangible, if you will, display of a spiritual principle mm. that apart from God, we are dead, yeah. right? That we, th- what this world promises us, it does not deliver. Yeah, no, you're, you're definitely right. The end of it all is destruction and death. And, you know, and like you said, the culture uh, uh, insists that there's agreement. 
for the Christian, there can only be agreement with the truth. Mm. And, and so the thing is, that makes us countercultural, you yes. know, and that's how we should be. We should we should stand against the things that are standing against the truth. Yeah. And so, man, when you, what you have here, man, is a, a case of even the culture, the grips of it seeping it into the church once again yeah you know like man it's these are the things that have to be pressed out of the church like this stuff can't enter but it's is it has a front seat in this situation mm-hmm. right here and and, and man it's, it's a sad thing because it should never be if there are the the uh uh the the, the guards put put in place the boundaries the things that really the word of god that would insulate us from those things yeah you know then Man, these situations would have more accountability around them, more uh, church discipline and things like that would take place to guard us against these type of things happening. I I really believe that, um, man, you can get in such a place as a leader to Mm -hmm. where you're you're just surrounded by yourself and Mm. just surrounded by your thoughts, your actions, and there's no one around you to say, Man, I see this. Let's let's check out what's going on here. And it's a sad case because that's easily fixed mm-hmm. by applying the word of God. And man, so I, a lesson that I think we should take from this is, man, you know, who are the ones that are able to uh, speak into your, your life? If you're a pastor, like, man, make sure you have a network. Make sure you have uh, or at least just one faithful man that That's you're good. able to say, hey, this is the real deal. Yeah. This is what I'm going through, you know, because it could save like, you. You may have to step down. You may have to do some things. But, man, it can it can save a lot of hurt mm-hmm. and anguish for yourself, for people that you're serving. Man, it's just a, a big lesson that we need to work the word of God and what it says, because it's, it, it applies in this way. And so. Um, it's just a sad situation as we as we look at this, and man, we gotta be able to stand up against those things that would try to like uh, infiltrate the church, you know, from this culture. Yeah, man, that's such a good point. I, I love what you're saying, especially when you say that it it spares those that these pastors are serving, mm-hmm. because I I don't think we often think of the um the body of Christ as sort of like the the casualties in in a lot of this destruction yeah. so we you know are listening to these men minister and being ministered to by these men yeah. and so when they fall it's very public and it injures the body of Christ yeah, like it causes it a lot of harm it does before we run out of time i want to share a little bit of this story from a different perspective okay and this is from the perspective of the advocate the outlet the advocate and I found something really interesting about what they did here, and it reminded me of early persecution in the Christian church mm. and how the Christians were seen as the reason for anything that mm. was bad. If yeah. there was something negative, then the Christians had caused that they were responsible, and the solution to their causing this pain or this suffering or whatever it was in the early church, um, the time, the early church period the solution to that was that the Christians had to die, right? Mm. So I'm thinking of the second century church, the yeah. the solution, and third on up to the fourth century, actually, yeah. um, until the time of Constantine. But the solution to the problem of the Christians was that they needed to be exterminated. Mm. Um, and so I want to read a little bit of this from The Advocate, and then I want to read from one of my um, church history books that I was reminded of as I was looking at this article, and I thought, 
you know, what's going to be our response to this? Mm. And then I want to kind of get your take on it. So here is from the advocate here quickly. Um, An Alabama community is in shock after the tragic death of a local leader uh, following. Now they use plural pronouns. Okay. Mm. And they're doing that for a reason. Normally I would edit that. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I'm not going to, because I want, I'm making a point in reading this perspective. Okay. So, only for the sake, am I not going to edit that? But please know, under other circumstances, I would be using male pronouns <laughs> right. for the male pastor who committed suicide, okay? Yeah, yeah. But I want you to see the angle that this advocate article takes. So you will hear me using there. That is not agreement. That is simply to continue to paint the picture of the point that I am trying to make. Yeah. Clear? Okay, mm-hmm. here we go. An Alabama community is in shock after the tragic death of a local leader following their involuntary outing as a transgender woman when a local conservative news blog posted photos of them embracing their secret gender identity. So in that first paragraph alone, you know exactly where this article is going. Right. Okay. The victim is the person who committed suicide and the the victimizer is the conservative outlet. Okay, and so then the article continues. Smith Station Mayor F.L. Bubba Copeland, who also served as the pastor of First Baptist Church in Phoenix City, was found dead Friday evening. Um, Lee County Sheriff Jay Jones confirmed to Columbus, Georgia, CBS affiliate uh, WRBL. Um, He said, quote, I can confirm he took his own life. Now, that is coming from the sheriff. Okay, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but then back to the, the article outlet, it says, um, besides his political and religious affiliations, Copeland was known locally for owning a small grocery store in the Alabama backwaters. Recent scrutiny emerged when Alabama news blog 1819 News reported Wednesday that Copeland had been engaging in explicit online activities, allegedly posting pornography, memes, and photos of themselves in women's clothing online under the pseudonym Brittany Blair Summerlin. And I'm going to stop there. As I continued reading the article, however, I thought about what this now means for anybody else who publicly professes the standards of God's holiness, Mm. right? Like, we then kind of become, and and to a large extent as well, the conservatives mm-hmm. become responsible for this man taking his life. Mm. It's because he was exposed and we are intolerant. We're not accepting. We're not accepting, right? <laughs> and so I thought of this. This is, um, this is from uh, Church History by uh, the late Bruce Shelley. And um, and this is what he wrote. And, and just understanding how the early church was... Um, was viewed and how Mm -hmm. the early church was looked upon with suspicion uh, throughout the Roman empire. I thought that this was, this was interesting. So I'm just going to pick up reading here. Um, It says Christians would not give tribute to the gods and appear disloyal to their pagan neighbors. The popular notion held that disasters would strike if the gods were neglected in his apology, Tertullian wrote the following quote, if the Tiber floods, the city, If the Tiber floods the city, or if the Nile refuses to rise, or if the sky withholds its rain, if there's an earthquake, a famine, a pestilence, at once the cry is raised, 
Christians to the lion. Hmm. So get rid of the Christians. And I thought about, as I was reading this article, of course, the slant and the picture that's painted is going to be the intolerant Christians, Mm -hmm. the intolerant conservatives who also, you know, vast majority of them claim to be Christians. Mm -hmm. They are the reason that so many people who would transition in peace are taking their life. Mm. But I want to make sure to point out something that I think is so important because this is not, um, it's not based on truth. It's not based on reality. It's based on the narrative that the people who push the narrative need to be true. Mm. They needed to be true that we're intolerant, but the facts and the numbers that are actually available to us Mm -hmm. suggest that it's, it's not that people are intolerant. It's not that people are resisting the desires of those who are transgender. Let's remember what we see in our culture. We see an increase in the normalization of transgenderism. We mm. see a celebration of this. We see um, you know, protected spaces being carved yeah, out for yeah. people who are confused yeah. about their gender, or maybe they're not confused, but they are right. proclaiming their transition. And then we have these numbers um, earlier this year where you've got, let's see, this is the School of Law, Williams Institute at UCLA. A new study from the Williams Institute at UCLA School of Law finds that 81% of transgender adults in the U.S. have thought about suicide. Wow. 42% of transgender adults have attempted it, and 56% have engaged in non-suicidal self-injury over their lifetimes. Now, those numbers are astronomical. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And 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 where where was that coming from? If largely in the culture we yeah. have acceptance, because what the advocate is going to do is they're going to make this a problem of conservatism and a mm-hmm. problem of Christianity. Mm-hmm. They're going to say if you guys were more tolerant, if you guys were more accepting, then we wouldn't. Because remember, this is this is what is being pushed to Christians. Yeah, this is what is being pushed to Christian parents. Well, not just Christian parents, but all parents, right? Mm. Do you want a living son or do you want a dead daughter? Mm. That the only options that you have is either you agree 100% or the person is going to take his or her life. Like, where is where is that coming from? Yeah. Th- that That is not coming from an ideology on the side of, of the Christians or of the conservatives. This is an internal conflict that is coming from the person who is conflicted over his or her innate design. Yeah, yeah. And this just proves the, the truth of the word because you have all this acceptance all this, you know, move to uh, uh, be tolerant and to do all this stuff to appease uh, this this uh, group of of people, you know, to to be a favored uh, group of people. Mm-hmm. But yet, at the same time, they have these numbers, you know, where the the attempted suicide and you know just the 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 hurting of themselves and things like yes. that is on the rise, and and it's, uh, the numbers are high. So it just shows that God's way is the way the Amen. way that he has set things up or the way that they're supposed to be you know and the way of happiness and joy and peace is following his Amen. commands and his uh design and so man you just see it even in the numbers even though they try to tell you you're hurting people by telling the truth man the truth is what they need because Amen. that's that's what's going to save their lives yeah you yeah. know, adherence to the truth of God's word. Yeah, I, I think of our friend uh, Laura Perry Smoltz yeah. now, yeah. who you know so powerfully communicated that when she was confused about her gender, and she changed her name, and she talked about how her mom refused to use male mm. pronouns. Mm-hmm. Her mom refused to knew 
to use this new name yeah. that she had adopted. And she described that as a tether to reality. Yeah. It was what yeah. kept her linked to what was real and what was actual. Right. And I, you know, I look at this story and I just want to say 100%, I grieve over the mental anguish, clearly the mental anguish of this pastor. And I grieve for the congregants. Mm -hmm. I grieve for his wife. I grieve for his friends, his neighborhood, like, you know, this, this community that is, is probably reeling from this Mm -hmm. to have this revelation. And then all of a sudden the pastor takes his life. I think this is all very tragic, but it also calls to mind the scripture that you and I were talking about Mm -hmm. in James, right? That when we are tempted, we shouldn't say that God is tempted, but we are sort of carried along by our own lusts and desires. Yeah. James chapter one, verse uh, 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Mm. And then when his when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Mm. That's that regression of sin. You know, it starts from one place. But the end of it is death. And we see this in real time with this situation right here, you know, and man, that's something that is uh, internal. It's not, you know, from an outside source, you know, God is not tempting, you know, this is something that's within the lust within, Mm -hmm. you know, but and and when it's exposed and those things come about, man, if you don't repent, you usually do the opposite. Yeah. And it it ends in in death. Yeah. It's very, very sad. And it, it grieves me. I read the article and I thought, Oh man, this is really sad. And then the follow up that yeah. he had actually taken his own life. Yeah. Just there are not a whole lot of words to express the sorrow and the deep grief. Um yeah. and even the confusion over, you know, man, Lord, you know, mm. you know where his eternity yeah. will be spent, you know. Yeah. But there truly is a grief over over this loss and knowing that there is a remedy to it. And it doesn't involve you taking your own life because there is one who gave his life Mm. that you would have eternal life, that you would not have to to suffer the consequences of eternal judgment. Mm. Um, It's just sad all the way around. I just want to say this. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We appreciate you sharing the show. We appreciate you giving it a five-star rating. If it ministers to you in any way, if it's encouraging, if it's thought-provoking, would you help us to continue to get the word out? Um, You can learn more about what we do by going to cultureproof.net. Until then, I want to remind you, as we often do, when you resist those cultural trends that rival the truth, you remain culture-proof. Until next time, Lord willing. God bless. Are you registered for Culture Proof Conference 2024? Well, you need to get registered today. We are super excited about our first ever conference that's coming to Faith Baptist in Bartlett, Tennessee. Yes, July 18th through the 20th. And we're open, wide open. So go to cultureproof.net right now and register. Yeah, that's right. And I say the first ever conference. It's the first ever Culture Proof Conference. But everything that you love about the types of conferences that the Addisons produce. Yes. 
all remains intact. Some That's of our right. speakers this year include the incredible Dr. Kathy Cook. Abraham Hamilton III. Dr. Renton Rathbun. Dr. Lee Brand. And Israel Wayne. And not to mention our extraordinary Culture Proof Kids and Teens track yes. facilitated by Maria Hamilton. The third. And Mark and Amy <laughs> Warren. You're going to want to make sure you register. When registration fills up for those tracks, the kids tracks, we close them down because yeah. we want our classrooms to be functional and we want our kids to get the most out of those classrooms. All right, question. Mm -hmm. Is functionable a word? No, probably not. So fu functional. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, that's all right. I just want to, you know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, don't let her do it. Oh, Lord. Um, when you don't have a red line in your brain, you're just going to leave it. Okay. We want to see you in Bartlett, Tennessee at Faith Baptist Church, July 18th through the 20th. That's right. Go to cultureproof.net.